Welcome to Between the Stitches, a baseball show, part of the Phenomenal Fan Media Group. Let's go! The wonderful ball game today. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Between the Stitches, episode 34 on a beautiful Monday, April 10th, 2023. We got a lot to talk about on the game, in the sport, in the realm, in the world of baseball. Between the Stitches is a baseball-only show, and we're going to be talking about all things baseball today because since we've last recorded and posted and talked about the state of the game specifically last week not many games had actually unfolded and we didn't have much under our belts as baseball people to talk about with this season because everything was fresh and new and a lot of times a lot of times a lot of teams can start off hot play well perform at a high level for the first week of the season, start off five and two, start off seven and zero, oh, and you're like, these guys, maybe these guys are legit, maybe these guys are seriously, you know, somebody we should take serious. Or on the flip side, it's like maybe these guys are frauds. We thought they'd be good, they aren't good anymore. Everybody needs to relax, right? Especially after a week's worth of games. But now we've got some teams with ten games, some teams with nine. It's about nine or ten games for everybody in the league right now under our belts. And again, that's not a huge sample size, right? That's, I mean, sixteen games is ten percent of this. And we're at ten games. I mean, it's it's we don't have much under our belts. But the difference is in some of the stuff that we are going to talk about today, because we're not going to be. We'll go through the standings. We'll go through individual performances of each player, you know, or players that are standing out rather. And we're also going to go through, you know, the general scheme of the league itself. Okay. So we'll go through the standings here quickly. We won't spend too much time on it because not much has changed since we last recorded. And like I said, a million times already, these standings don't mean very much, right? Check back in a week, check back in two weeks, check back in a month. Then we'll start to go, okay. You know, a full month worth of games, 40 games. That's a good sample size. In the American League, well, we go American League, the National League, East to West. The Rays are 9-0. That's one of the big storylines of the league so far this season is the Rays haven't lost a game yet in nine games or three full series. They have a plus 57 run differential. They've absolutely dominated everybody they've played. They played the Tigers. They played the Nationals. And then they played the Oakland A's. They've gone 9-0. A lot of people like to sit back and say they haven't played anybody. Of course, they've gone nine and zero. I'm in that camp partially, but also I like to sit back and say, listen, they're nine and zero. They've played nine games against nine opponents or three opponents in this case that are not very good, and they've handled business. They've beaten up on them just like they're supposed to if they want to be considered a good team, or in anybody's case, considered a good team. You can't knock a team for going nine and zero doesn't matter how bad their opponents are. You can't sit back and go, oh, well, th- these wins don't. They're 9-0. There's nine wins against three teams that aren't good, and they showed up against them, beat the crap out of them, handled business, in and out, three sweeps. 
looking at their schedule, okay, going forward for Tampa Bay, they have the Red Sox for four now at home. Okay. Realistically, if they finish or if they start the year 13 and 0, that is where things are like, okay, hold on a second. At the end of this month, things will definitely level out for them in some capacity. Like I said, Red Sox for four. Then they go on the road to Toronto, on the road in Cincinnati. You know, like Toronto's a series where it's like on the road, probably drop two out of three there because it's a tough environment. Blue Jays are really competitive. And they come back home after Cincinnati, White Sox for three, competitive ball club that's playing pretty well right now. You know, two out of three, maybe they lose two out of three. Then they play the Astros for three. You know, like so things will obviously come back down to earth. But ultimately, after these 13 games, the first 13 games of the season, the Tampa Bay Rays could be looking at their record at 12 and one. Even 11 and two. Or obviously, best case scenario for them, 13 and 0. I, I don't think there's much to make of this, like I said, because of the opponents they have played, but it's it's good. It's good for them that they've played so well. The Rays are 9-0 in the American League East. The Yankees are second in the AL East at 6-3. The Blue Jays are 6-4. The Red Sox are 5-4, and, and the Orioles are 4-5. and five. A lot of tight teams, a lot of good baseball in that division so far. Not much to make of it. Everybody's playing relatively well in competitive baseball, and it's good to see out of the AL East. AL Central, Kansas City and Detroit, they stink. And they're both three and seven and two and seven, respectively. The White Sox are four and six, Cleveland six and four, and the Twins are six and three. It's pretty much exactly how we expect this entire season to go in that division, which is the Twins and Cleveland to be just above 500, competing for the top spot in that division. The White Sox to be hovering around 500 in the middle slightly above or below 500 in the case of four and six and then Kansas City and Detroit to be picking up the bottom at the bottom of that division with very unimpressive records in the American League West the Angels are five and four the Rangers are five and four the Astros are four and six now that's probably going to end up leveling out in some capacity the Angels have had a couple of games that they should have won that they haven't a couple of games where Trout and Otani have had really good production and they have managed to somehow lose these games a couple of late leads that have been blown but now they play the Washington Nationals for a few games. The Angels do. Should be a good outcome for them, hopefully. And the Rangers play Kansas City. Should be a good outcome for them. The Astros at 4-6. and six, I'm not making a ton of that. But, you know, projected over a long period of time, that's not ideal. So we'll see if the Astros can bounce back. I fully expect them to do so. Moving on to the National League East, the, Angel, uh, the Angels, the Atlanta Braves lead that division at six and four. The Mets are 500, five and five uh, record, 10 games each for the Braves and Mets. They're within one game. That's also something we fully expect to see as the season unfolds. The Marlins are four and six. The Phillies are three and six. Okay. We don't want to overreact here. And we do that for fun. We like to overreact for fun in an unserious manner, but on on a serious note, three and six is not the end of the world through nine games, but, in the nine games as a whole, combined with what's happened to the team, meaning things like injuries and how certain specific players have performed for them, the Phillies... I don't know what to say other than... Because we keep saying, don't overreact, don't overreact. It's been nine games. It's not a big deal. 
but they just haven't looked competitive. They've looked very flat, very underwhelming. And they've dealt with so many different injuries already to begin with. Reese Hoskins is out for the year. Bryce Harper, yeah, you know, he'll probably be back at some point this season, but by the time he's back, June, July, whoever, whatever it is, will the Phillies have already dug themselves a hole they can't get out of? I mean, granted, last year they started, what, like 22 and 28 or something with Joe Girardi, and then they go to the World Series, right? So baseball season's long. There's plenty of time for the Phillies to, of course, figure things out and get things dialed in, get the pieces in the right places, get production out of the guys they haven't so far. I mean, Schwarber started off something like two for 20. Like, not good. Uh, but it's it's okay if I'm a Phillies fan. It's just like, all right, like, okay, you know, like, we're three and six. Like, let's let's uh let's get back to the the grind of things let's get back into a more of a rhythm you know we got some home games now against a team like Miami Marlins you know like let's handle business here and let's get things rolling because if that doesn't happen right they play Miami for a series starting today through the a couple of games tomorrow and Wednesday like if they all of a sudden they're like they lose two out of three to Miami at home or like they get swept by Miami it's like all right hold on, like, this isn't good. This isn't good, but who knows, right? We'll see. Maybe the Phillies sweep them, and they're back, and everyone loves them. National League Central, the Milwaukee Brewers have been playing some good baseball, really good baseball, 7-2 and two through nine games, plus 25 on the old run diff, and their offense has been producing. That was one of the things everybody talked about with the Milwaukee Brewers coming into the season is, yeah, they're going to throw the rock, but are they going to be able to hit the rock? Are they going to be able to provide that offensive performance or the offensive backup that the pitching staff deserves and most people's perspective on it was yeah you know they got some guys that can hit but they're not good enough to be a playoff caliber team looking at the team OPSs this year the Brewers are fourth in the league with an 807 team OPS that is crazy crazy now, that's not sustainable, and I don't expect that to continue. But for the time being, it's working for them. Uh, then you go over to the pitching category, and the Brewers are third in the in all of baseball in ERA. If you've got a baseball team that's third in the league in team ERA and fourth in the league in team OPS on offense, that's a good baseball team. Is it sustainable for the Brewers? We will find out. I think the pitching side of it, potentially, Right, I mean, if you came to me at the end of the year and said the Brewers as a team finished top five in Team ERA as a pitching staff, I'd say that makes a lot of sense. Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff. I mean, those guys are all monsters at the top of the rotation. You came to me at the end of the year and said the Brewers are top three in Team OPS on offense. I would say you are out of your mind. But who knows? Maybe it's sustainable. Maybe they get some production from guys like Bryce Terang. Garrett Mitchell's gone absolutely ballistic for them so far this season things will cool off they will play better competition and i think things will end up leveling out does that mean the brewers aren't good no that just means things may change over the coming weeks brewers are seven and two pittsburgh pirates are six and three good for them they lose o'neill cruz unfortunately with a broken ankle for a couple of weeks and that kind of sucks but they got a guy like brian reynolds who is smunching the ball right now 
six and three for the Pirates. That's really not sustainable, at least in my opinion. But who knows? Maybe they just maybe they pop off a little bit. The Cubs are five hundred team. The Reds are a five hundred team, and St. Louis is starting off at three and six. That will be okay. I think the Cardinals will find themselves right in the mix here in less than a couple of weeks. In the NL West, very interesting. The Arizona Diamondbacks and the San Diego Padres, my San Diego Padres, are both six and four at the top of that division. Both teams have looked really good. The Dodgers are five and five after coming off of a series against the Snakes, the D-backs in Arizona, and D-backs take three out of four from the Dodgers. What does that mean? Right now, at this this point in the season, nothing. But, as we've talked about, if this trend continues, the D-backs are sneaky, especially, especially with the new rules being implemented in Major League Baseball, okay? I'll say this. This might be an overreaction, but I don't think it is. With the pitch clock rules, with the incredibly fast pace of play, the pickoff limitations, and the young talent, you mix all that together in a little boiling pot down over there in the desert, and you might have to keep an eye Maybe it's a side eye. Maybe it's one eye. Maybe it's both eyes on the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2023. You got Brent Strom as their pitching coach coming over from the Astros a couple of years ago. Zach Gallon's an all-star caliber pitcher. Merrill Kelly's an all-star caliber pitcher. They got like five dudes in that lineup that are like top 20 in sprint speed in Major League Baseball. Veteran leadership, Carson or uh, Christian Walker. Trade for Lourdes Gurriel, a guy, guy can hit the ball. I'm just saying, you mix all those ingredients together, and at the end of it, you get a result that's the Arizona Diamondbacks getting into the postseason with the expanded playoffs in the Major League Baseball season. I wouldn't be shocked at all. I wouldn't be shocked at all. The D-backs find themselves hunting for a wild card spot. Their style of play, combined with the new rules being implemented by the league, it is a perfect recipe for a little sneaky team like D-backs to find themselves in the postseason. And then, get in the tournament, anything can happen. Just saying. Keep an eye on the snakes out of the West. Okay? Padres take on the Mets. This week, starting tonight, should be a great series. Dodgers play the Giants in San Francisco. Should be a good series. That division's going to be tight all year. I think the Dodgers and Padres will end up sort of separating themselves from the group. But like I said, watch out for the Snakes. I've seen the San Francisco Giants play this season so far. Look at their lineup. Look at their roster. You know, there's nothing there, I think. They're fine. They'll be fine. They'll be five, 10 games under 500, which is fine, but that's not a playoff team. And then the Rockies have played okay so far, but they stink. Uh, so that's where it is in the standing so far. Okay. Uh, as we go through the, the hitting stats here, handful of names that are standing out to you guys. Okay. 
So Pete Alonzo and Brian Reynolds lead the league in homers. Pete and Brian both have five. And then you go over to OPS. Uh, Matt Chapman starting off the year really hot. Brian Reynolds, we mentioned him already, really hot. Of course, all these things will even out. But ultimately, some guys that are starting off really good. Luis Castillo, two really good starts. Kyle Freeland for the Rockies, two really good starts. Um, I don't think there's much to be making of these early season statistics, but I think ultimately you got to keep an eye on some guys because it's a good start. It's good. It's good. It's a hot start for some guys, and it's like, oh, maybe that guy, you know, keeps it up, maintains it. Next thing you know, like the guy right now, he he just broke his wrist, so it sucks, but. Adam Duvall for the Red Sox, you know, he had a 14, he had a 1500 OPS and 33 at bats. Like, that is important because then it's like, oh, like, again, like I said, he's hurt and it sucks. But it's like, if he would have stayed held and not hurt himself, and we're wishing for a speedy recovery for Adam Duvall, he wouldn't have hurt himself. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, all star voting comes around in, in June. And it's like, oh my God, like, Adam Duvall, he should start in center field for the all star team. Like, that's, People are like, what? That's crazy. Adam Duvall. It's like, guys, you should have been watching from the first game of the, from the first week of the season. And the guy had four homers in 10 games with a 1500 OPS, you know? So it's good to notice this stuff. Now, like I said, the law of averages will ultimately prevail. And these guys that maybe don't belong towards the top of this list end up falling off a little bit when it comes to offensive production, but we'll see. The last thing, man, that we'll talk about today, because that's pretty much the state of the league is as far as standings and player performance and baseball on the field goes with the player production. A um, couple of different things here, okay? A couple of different things. We're going to take a look over here, guys, really quick at that I saw on Twitter. And just in general. Where. It, it's. How do I say this? It's becoming. Abundantly clear. That Major League Baseball. has an issue. It's a major issue that is apparently just not going to be addressed. As games have unfolded in Major League Baseball and more and more has gone on, it's become obvious. We've spent a lot of time talking about it already. But When Major League Baseball implemented the pitch clock, when they said there's going to be a clock between pitches, 15 seconds with nobody on base, 20 with a guy on base, my first reaction was, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Nobody, nobody is asking for this. 
Nobody. And the immediate feedback that most people got who got suckered into the pitch clock was it's better for the game. It'll make the games quicker. It'll be better. More people will watch. Ratings haven't changed. Nobody is watching baseball now because the games are 20 minutes shorter. Nobody is watching baseball now because the games are 20 minutes shorter. And then the players, the product, the guys that make baseball what it is, don't like the pitch clock structure. They don't, they, they don't like it. Pitch clock to see how it works. I also have been steadfast that we need to be able to slide it. Maybe yeah. add a few seconds here or there. I mean, would that help you immensely if it was? Oh my God. If it were, if we're just 20 all the time, done. it's fixed. That way I can shake a pitch and like execute a game plan because believe it or not, people in the, in the commissioner's office, pitchers have to make decisions based on information. So that was Trevor May. Uh, but this was, this, this uh, was a, sm a small segment from, um, a small segment from Sunday Night Baseball between the Padres and the Atlanta Braves, and they were interviewing Acuna and Juan Soto. Okay? Juan Soto. What's been the biggest adjustment so far with the new rules for you? I mean, it got to be the time clock, the pitch clock, whatever you call it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> I mean, no, you got to go quick. You, you have no time to think, and you got to sometimes – Sometimes you don't want the, the game go on the game speed. You want to go on your speed, and you you want to relax, come down, and do you think you do you think. But now with that pitch clock, it's nothing that you can do anymore. You just gotta go out there and play. What's been the biggest adjustment so? So Juan Soto has voiced his displeasure with it, and then. As I noticed that, okay, as I noticed the pitch clock, Juan Soto doesn't like it. I tweeted out the video. I said Juan Soto doesn't like the pitch clock. Trevor May, who has talked about his displeasure with what the structure is currently with the pitch clock. I sent out a tweet. I said, I have a feeling so many more players feel this way about the pitch clock. They don't like it. They don't like the structure. They don't like how short it is. Uh, and some of these opinions are starting to show themselves. Some players in the league right now are starting to voice their their displeasures with the pitch clock. Trevor May replied to me directly, MLB pitcher, and said, once again, I don't dislike the clock itself. And I think most people would agree with that. Most people would sit back and say, I don't, I don't hate the idea because I don't hate the idea. I think if there's guys out there in the mound taking 35 or 40 seconds between pitches, like with nobody on base, it's like, dude, let's go, right? Trevor may reply to me directly saying, I, once again, I don't dislike the clock itself. I dislike the removal of many opportunities to make adjustments because there just simply isn't time. Being able to step off for a beat, take a breath or take a few extra seconds before getting back in the box is important. So Juan Soto says he feels like he doesn't have time. He feels like he's rushed. He feels like, it's not the same as it was before, and he doesn't have the ability to take a step out and gather himself. Trevor May says the exact same thing. I said 100%. 100% agree as a fan. My main point 
was that the current execution seems to be disliked by a lot more than we know about as fans. I said, are there any other ways to improve it, Trevor? And would MLB listen if the players got together and voiced their, their collective displeasure with the pitch clock? He said, anything that might add an undetermined amount of time, a.k.a. like adding like per, per batter, a pitcher's allowed to step off once, kind of like calling time. Anything like that for the pitchers is probably off the table because you can tell by the marketing, Major League Baseball loves that they can sell a two-and-a-half-hour game. The only chance would be slight increases to the timing of it, but they mostly ignore our suggestions. That's directly from a player. I asked Trevor May, I said, what, what, how do we fix this pitch clock? Because he's come out, Juan Soto's come out saying they don't like the current format. It's too short. It doesn't make sense. It's not beneficial. Trevor May says, there's not probably much we can do because they love the idea of shorter games and how easy that is to market. And they mostly ignore our suggestions. So let me get this straight. Major League Baseball wants the game. They want to grow the game, as, the, as they put it. The league office wants, as is the case with any business, Major League Baseball office wants to grow the game. They want to make more money, which is the case for any business. Major League Baseball wants to make more money and become more popular as a business and as an organization. Makes perfect sense to me. Most businesses operate on that basis. And it's been proven that the other leagues that have had a lot of success making more money and growing their sport have done so by doing things like marketing the on-field product. Promoting more excitement. More human interest. More personality-based entertainment. Fat flips. Celebrations fist pumps, custom gear, cleats, bats. All the while, Major League Baseball still has blackout restrictions on their main streaming service. They have added a pitch clock to speed up the on-field product, which is the players, and make them more uncomfortable. So instead of getting together with the players collectively and trying to come to an outcome or a proposal that everybody would really enjoy and like and appreciate to help grow the game, MLB said, all right, we're going to speed up our players. And then when they voice their displeasures about it, which has happened now multiple times with guys like Juan Soto on Sunday Night Baseball and Trevor May, Oakland A's bullpen pitcher who tweeted at me directly, he's suggested and has said they mostly ignore our suggestions. Anybody, anybody, anybody who sits on the pitch clock hill and defends it with their life has been suckered into it by the league. They're just suckers. I understand that's a ton of people. That's a huge group of people that defend the pitch clock with their life. Sit back and go, it's about time. It's about God. No wonder they implemented the pitch clock. Nobody wants to sit there and watch these guys unstrap and strap their batting gloves 15 times. Well, that, uh, 
Uh, um, uh, okay. Well, that's not the pitcher. I mean, that's not the, uh, that's not the issue. The people who sit back and defend the pitch clock with their life and have all these arguments for why it's so great. Oh, I don't want to sit there. I, I, I don't want to sit there and watch a guy own strap and strap his batting gloves between every pitch. Okay, well, then I guess just don't watch baseball. But what the pitch clock isn't doing is it's not drawing in any more fans. And that's not my opinion. That's based on the ratings metrics that have come in over the first week of the MLB season. There's a small spike, but that's basically just an overcarry from the World Baseball Classic and the fact that every league sees a small spike in viewership in the initial early in the early parts of the season. But the people who sit there and have to and feel like they need to or the people who who defend the pitch clock with their lives and say it's the best thing that's ever happened that best thing major league baseball has ever done they got suckered they got duped by the league because the message that the league pushed out about these new rule changes and specifically the pitch clock is it's going to make the games go by faster it's going to kill all this dead time baseball has too much dead time that's also the sport of baseball, a sport in which it's been documented that over the span of a three-hour game, there's only about eight minutes of actual on-field ball-in-play action. And that number of eight minutes or so of in-play, on-the-field action, that number hasn't changed at all. It's still baseball. It's still a sport where limited action is what it is. It's hard to hit. Yeah, it's cut off a, a little bit of dead time. What it's also done is made a, some of the game's top players uncomfortable. They made they made this change without consulting or associating with any of the actual players, which is the product that they have. They didn't confer with the players about this one single time. They just put it in. And everybody who defends the pitch clock sits there and says, well, they put it in to, to grow the game, to make it more appealing for people. Yeah, but they did that to make it more appealing for people so that more people would watch so that the owners could make more money. That's it. They didn't do it because they think it's better for the sport because if they thought that, then they would have conferred with the players before they just implemented a 15-second pitch clock because the players very apparently and very clearly do not like the current pitch clock structure. They don't like it. Juan Soto says, I don't like it. Trevor May, in direct response to me, has displayed not that he doesn't hate the pitch clock entirely. I don't think anybody sits back and just hates the pitch clock entirely. I think the game needs to get moved on. I think there's a handful of guys that moves slowly, that ends up dragging the length of the game down a little bit. So if you want to deal with those guys individually, that's fine. But Trevor May, in a direct reply to me, has noticed as a player who's directly involved and something that I've noticed, that the league isn't doing the pitch clock to increase 
they don't care about the state of the game. Trevor May said it himself. These new rule changes were not put in place because Major League Baseball and the commissioner's office care about the state of the game. What they care about is being able to market a shorter game to make more money. That's all they care about. They don't care about the well-being of the players or the on-field production or the players' opinions. Trevor May said to me, they mostly ignore our suggestions, our being the players. So anybody who sits there and defends the pitch clock, you got fooled by the league, by them at least running the campaign that this is an effort to improve the state of the game. It's none of that. They don't care about the state of the game. They don't care about the players. They care about money. The only thing, the only, the only thing Rob Manfred and the MLB owners and the MLB front office care about the only thing anybody in the MLB league office cares about, including Rob Manfred and the owners of the teams, the only thing they care about is money. That's it. That is the only thing they care about. And that's okay. That's how a profit business should operate. But on top of it, you have a lot of employees and specifically in the case of major league baseball employees that are the product that were not considered and not, discussed with on these massive rule changes that are ultimately affecting the outcome of the games and affecting the players directly who have now started to voice their opinion about how they do not like the current pitch clock structure. They don't like it. Juan Soto, Juan Soto is a gigantic player in the sport of baseball. And he's on national TV in a primetime baseball game talking about how he doesn't like the pitch clock. You would think the league office or the league representatives would have met with the players union before the season and before they just implemented these absurd rules and been like, Hey, what do you guys think of this? And I'm sure the feedback from the players would have been like, well, let's test it out in spring training for a couple of weeks. And then we'll come back to you about how we could potentially improve upon this but they don't care and anybody who defended the league office or defended the the league's implementation of these rules you got duped you got duped okay bottom line it is what it is man hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode that's the state of the game right now it sucks it is what it is nothing we can do about it but ultimately It sucks. It is what it is, guys. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode, uh, episode 34, Between the Stitches, a baseball-only show, part of the Phenomenal Fan Media Group. Be sure to check us out on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. If you're listening on pod, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, check us out on there. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully we can do something about this pitch clock and the players start sticking up a little bit more and voicing their opinion uh, because it's it's starting to lead the game in a direction that's not ideal. So either way, Appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Between the Stitches. Follow Phenomenal Fan Media on social media for more. And subscribe on Patreon for exclusive content.